Good morning. It is great to uh, see everyone this morning. Our singing and our worship is important. And, uh, and when we lift up our voices to God, uh, it, I believe that God and the angels in heaven rejoice uh, in powerful ways. And so thank you, brothers, and thank you, brothers and sisters who, um, who serve us in the worship team. Um, turn over your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. This letter is so encouraging. Now it's challenging, but it's encouraging. And there is this stream of consciousness that is happening as Paul is writing this letters to his brothers and sisters in the church there in Philippi. A stream of consciousness that, that talks about partnership in the gospel. Working together to preach the word to all nations. Sharing in God's grace with one another. Paul's and, and their reputation as Christians is some of what he talks about in the book of Philippians. Strong evangelism, preaching Jesus, living out God's purpose to live as Christ. Striving together as one, as a unified body of believers. Unity. And not just unity, but unity through imitation. Not grasping at equality, but being secure in your relationship with God. Being secure in Jesus. Embracing obedience. And allowing the grace of salvation to motivate them. The reason for the series in the book of Philippians is because as Christians, you and I are under fire. We are under fire from the world. We are under fire from Satan. And the message from, from Paul to, uh, to our Philippians, Philippian brothers and sisters is a message that we all need to hear and deeply consider as we live out our faith today. You know, the world wants us to act like the world. The world wants us to be just like it. The world wants us to accept how it deals with conflict. The world wants to discourage us, but it also wants to entice us. The world does. Living out our faith means that we do things contrary to what the world is telling us to do as Christians. So my last two messages have stirred some of our hearts a little bit. And by the way, that's a good thing. If you come to church and you listen to a preacher and your heart is never stirred, then the preacher's not doing a very good job. You gotta stir the hearts a little bit. We need to be thoughtful. We need to consider. Doesn't mean we need to always agree, but we need to be challenged. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible, we're supposed to use it. We're supposed to encourage one another with it. We're supposed to challenge one another with it. We're supposed to inspire 
each other with it. So yes, the message today, yes, the message today will likely stir some hearts in the room this morning. As a matter of fact, when you saw the the title, maybe your heart was already stirred. It's like the grumbling Christian. Wow, Jared, that's positive. On a piece of paper, if you're taking notes, I want you to write down the number of times that you feel that you have complained about something or anything this past week. All right, just the number, just in the corner of your paper there, just write down or it may put it in your head, the number of times that you have, that you have complained about something this week. Hey, Tatum, will you do me a favor, buddy? Can you get me a bottle of water? Thanks, man. Hey, thanks, dude. Appreciate it. Number of times you have complained this week. Because I know this lesson might stir some hearts, my mouth is kind of, you know, so I need the water. All right. (laughs) Yes. Researchers say, get this, okay? And you can do the, uh, the math for yourself. Researchers say that the average person complains about 30 times a day. So if you put down one for the week, you're wrong. (laughs) Or you're just uber righteous. And we all need to hang out with you. Okay? Researchers say on the average, we complain 30 times in one day. In one day. It's amazing when you stop to think about it. How many times we really complain. I know I've complained at least 30 times yesterday. Tatum had a basketball game. It was a basketball tournament he was in, and, and, uh, and I know, and I, as a matter of fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess in just a minute, all right? But I know yesterday alone, probably 500 times. Since I've been working on this lesson, I can't tell you how eye-opening it's become Uh, the grumbling that I do has become the complaining my big question this morning the question I want us to consider is when is grumbling justifiable as a Christian when is grumbling justifiable when is it okay to grumble or complain or argue about something. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 12. It says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, and I'm just, I'm starting off with the passage that we read last week. It says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and act according to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. 
Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on, that, on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service be, uh, coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. My first point this morning is do you grumble? Do you grumble? Betsy, I need your help. There it is. Verse 14, he says, do everything without grumbling. And I want to just pause there for a second. Did you hear that? He says, do everything without grumbling. Everything. The Greek word there is pas, which is P, A with the umlaut, S. Pas, okay? And what that means is what? Everything. It means the whole sum of all. And it's interesting because what Paul is saying here to his Philippian brothers and sisters is that there is never a time to grumble. He says, do everything without grumbling. Not some things, not partially, but everything. Wow. That's hard. It almost sounds impossible, doesn't it? Am, am I the only one? Y'all are like, no, that's possible. I could stop complaining right now and never complain again. It's easy. No, that's hard. Paul is saying do 100% of everything you do without complaining, without grumbling. Paul, Paul, Paul. Live your life without complaining. Look, look at the number you wrote up at the top of the corner of your paper. Or the number that you know in your head of the times you have complained this last week. As Christians. So according to God's word here in Philippians chapter 2 verse 14, when is it justifiable for any of us as Christians to grumble or complain? Never. It's never justified. That's crazy. Yet how often do we do it? All the time. Okay, who do we typically grumble about? Well, we grumble against or about authority, don't we? We do that all the time. We grumble against, you know, our employer or our parents or our guardian. Or we grumble about or against our minister? Surely not. <laughs> or we grumble against the elders? Or we grumble against, you know, any, any church leadership? We grumble against those who don't agree with us or who do things differently than we do them. We complain about them. Well, why don't you see things the way I see things? 
We grumble, we complain. We grumble and we complain about things when things don't go our way. Well, that's not how I wanted to do it. Well, that's not how I, you know, I, you know blah, blah, blah. it's just grumbling. That word grumble, what is that called? What's that thing? <laughs> Mumbling. No, there's, a, there's like a term for it, Randy. Um, when, when a word that sounds like what you're doing. Onomatopoeia, yes. Thank you, who said that? Thank you, Katie. Grumble, 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 you know. But we grumble. We grumble when things don't go our way. We grumble against good, the goods and services that we receive. We grumble about traffic. Like, oh, Gainesvillian traffic. Oh, well, go live downtown Atlanta. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> you, you wouldn't be grumbling about Gainesville. We grumble about long lines. We grumble about, about slow service. Where is my waiter? Where is my waitress? Where's that Home Depot guy? They advertise that they'll be right there for you. You know, it's like we grumble. We grumble about referees and sporting events. <laughs> Oh, yeah, right? And we'll never meet them. And most of those guys we just see on TV. Tell me what good comes out of grumbling or complaining about a referee that you're watching on TV. Nothing. Tell me what's good about grumbling or complaining about any of the things, honestly, I just read off. You're not, gonna, you're not gonna change it. You're not gonna make it different. You're not. You're just grumbling. And you're doing something else that's not good in the process. As a matter of fact, when we grumble or complain, we're actually causing harm to ourselves our hearts, our minds, and we're also causing harm to those whom we complain or grumble to. Because most of the time we <clears throat> grumble or complain, we don't take it to the person we're grumbling or complaining about. We take it to others. And then what we're doing is we're causing those people to feel things that you feel about the one with whom you're complaining about. And that's not a good thing. That's a bad thing. That's a harmful thing. That's a hurtful thing. And so when we grumble and complain, we're not, we're not achieving anything positive. So Tatum had a basketball tournament yesterday. And I'm just going to say it. I was a grumbler. I was sitting in the stands. He had three games that he had to play yesterday. One, I was complaining that he had three games that he had to play yesterday. Three. All right. And, uh, and I grumbled. I was a grumbler. I, I complained about the kids. I, I grumbled about the players. They're 10 years old. I grumbled that they weren't shooting well. That they weren't blocking out well. That they weren't, I was grumbling about these, these poor children. 
that are learning the game of basketball, that are putting their heart and soul into learning the game. And I'm like, that's ridiculous, that 10-year-old basketball player. Why can't he dunk yet? <laughs> no, but I was seriously grumbling. Like, what, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? So I was, grumbling, I was com- grumbling and complaining about the kids. I was grumbling and complaining about the referees, right? I felt that at the time. Who, by the way, are not professional referees, but good-hearted volunteers. And I was complaining about the coaching. Yeah, because I'm always the better coach. I know basketball better than guys that have played it in, the, in college and in the NBA. And so I was complaining about the coaching, who, by the way, are amazing men who volunteer their time to help excel our children and teach them skills. And I'm complaining. It's ridiculous. And I'm doing this as I have for two weeks been preparing for this lesson. (laughs) So what does that tell you? It tells you that yes, I too can even be a big idiot. (laughs) So also it's crazy, all right, this is true. So three games, we go early in the, in the morning. I'm working on my lesson about complaining. I go to the game. I complain. I leave the game, come home, work on my... Actually, I come to the office here, and I work on my lesson about complaining even more. I go back to the second game, and I complain some more. <laughs> and then I come back home, and I work on my lesson a little bit more. And then I go back to the third game, and I complain more than I did the first two times. <laughs> so, I mean... This is how difficult this is. The only way, according to my complaining, that everything would have played out perfectly at Tatum's game yesterday is if I was the coach, the referee, and the players themselves. (laughs) That's the only way it would have been perfect. According to my behavior as a grumbler or as a complainer, that was the only way it would have been a success. You know, sometimes when we complain and grumble, really what we're saying is we know better. And if we were to be the ones to do it, it would be better. That's just not true. My complaining fixed nothing. It fixes nothing. It helps nothing. All it did was make me sound like a big baby and put others in a bad light to those who heard me complaining. That's all it did. That's all it did. Did the kids need improvement in their game? Of course they did. They're 10. Were the referees always making the right calls? Of course not, but you don't always make the right calls either, nor do I. Are the coaches getting paid millions of dollars to make sure their team wins? No, they're not. So they don't need me in the stands 
complaining about them? Do you grumble? Are you a grumbling Christian? And if so, what does it fix? You know, in Matthew chapter 26, you don't have to turn there. You can just write it down if you're taking notes. But Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus knows what's about to happen. And he gets on his knees and he prays to God after telling his best friends, stay here with me, keep watch with me, you know, while I go and pray about what is about to happen to me. And so he goes and he prays to God and he doesn't, even to God, he doesn't have a complaining or grumbling heart. He just asks God, if there's any other way for this to be done, please, but if not, may your will be done. If there's any other way, hey, I'm open to it, I'm happy for it, but if not, your will be done. Jesus humbled himself before God and trusted God's will in the circumstances that he was in. He did pass. He did everything, all things in that moment without grumbling or complaining or arguing. Think about the things that Jesus could have complained about. He could have complained about Judas betraying him, one of his best friends. He could have, he could have complained about his other brothers deserting him and fleeing and leaving his side in the greatest moment of need. He could have complained about that. He could have complained about the unfairness of the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, the synagogue leaders. He didn't. And he could have complained about the weak governing of Pontius Pilate, who knew Jesus was innocent, but he didn't. You and I would say that Jesus would be justified in these complaints. We would say, of course, he has something to complain about. This is bad. But Jesus would not consider himself to be justified in that. Do you grumble? Do you complain? Do you argue? Argues the other word there. We don't have time to get into that. I would encourage you to go back and even study that word out, arguing. It's not always what you think it is. So brothers and sisters, friends, do you grumble? My second point is why you shouldn't grumble. Do you grumble and why you shouldn't? Well, the obvious is because the Bible tells us not to. That's the obvious reason why we shouldn't do it. But Paul tells us specifically why we shouldn't complain. He says, don't complain so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. He says, this is why you shouldn't be a complainer, so that you can achieve blamelessness so that you can achieve purity or harmlessness is another word there when you when you are a complainer you're harmful you're not pure you're hurtful so the reason why we shouldn't be complainers or we shouldn't grumble is so that we can be blameless and pure children of God 
You know, if we're grumbling Christians, then we are defective, actually, and have a mixture of evil within us. When you break those down and those words down, that's basically what it's saying. And I don't know about you, but that's not who I want to be. That's not who I want to be. You know, in John chapter 112, and I think I, I mentioned this in a, um, yeah, in a Gator Bites that I put out a, a few weeks ago, but uh, somebody had brought to my attention, uh, Barbara Root, uh, texted me and said, hey, you need to look at J- uh, John chapter 1 verse 12. So I did, and, and in John chapter 1 verse 12, what it says is that there is a right that God gives us. Because I said, I don't think there's anything, you know, there's no rights that we've been given, but the Bible actually does say that there is a right that we have been given, and that's to become children of God that God gives us the right to become his children, right? So if we are grumbling Christians, and he says, don't be a grumbling Christian so that you can be blameless and pure children of God, he's saying, I've given you a right to be children of God, but you're not allowed to grumble about it. You got that right, but don't be a grumbling child of God. He says, without fault, made the way God wants us to be. And he says, in a crooked and depraved generation. The world is warped, the world is crooked, the world is depraved. It is. The word crooked there, warped, perverse, unfair. He's saying that the world we live in is an unfair world. But as Christians, We're not looking for it to be fair. As Christians, what we're doing is we're looking to help other people know God and get to heaven. It's always going to be unfair. So, crooked, warped, perverse, unfair, depraved, in opposition of the right path. You know, the world is unfair and it's in opposition of where God wants us to go. That's the world. This world needs Christians. This world needs men and women who have decided to devote their lives to following Jesus, to loving God with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. This world needs men and women who will unapologetically follow the word of God. Even if it goes against what the world is saying or how the world is saying things. The world needs Christians. The world does not need grumbling Christians. Doesn't need it. Craziness is going on in the world that we live in right now. We see a lot of things that we don't like, that we don't agree with. There are brothers and sisters in this room who even disagree with what they like or don't like or agree with or don't agree with. In this room. And if you are a grumbling Christian, then all you do is you divide. But if you're a Christian who says, I'm not going to complain about what's going on in the world. I'm just going to love people. I'm going to love white people. I'm going to love black people. 
I'm going to love brown people. I'm going I'm to love tall people and short people, pretty people and prettier people. <laughs> I'm going to love people who, are, who lean more liberal. I'm going to love people who lean more conservative. By the way, I didn't do that because y'all are all conservative and you're all, I just was doing this, okay? <laughs> all right? You got to love people that are, you know, that don't love gator football. No, you do. No, you really do. You do. Okay? You guys with me, right? You got to love people no matter where they stand on any topic ever. We see injustice, we see hate, we see things that we believe are unfair. Of course we do. Because it is a crooked and depraved generation. But mine and your job as Christians is not to grumble and not to argue about it, but to love people. In verse 15, he says this, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. You know, our job is to be a light. That's our job. Our job is to be a light to the world. If we grumble about things in the church or outside the church and we act the way the world acts when it doesn't like something, then we are a part of the problem and we're not a part of the solution. The grumbling Christian is not an agent of good or positive change. The grumbling Christian only adds to the crookedness. The grumbling Christian only adds to the depravity of the world. So what do we do? We see bad things. We watch the world being cruel and unfair. What do we do as Christians? Well, one, we listen. We listen. Listen to people. Listen to what they're feeling. Listen to what they're thinking. Listen to their perspective. But here's the other thing. When we listen, don't take the complaints or the grumbling. Stop. No, 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 no. I don't, are, are you talking to me to vent and get help or are you complaining? If somebody complains to you, stop them in their tracks. Shock them that way. You know, can you believe that? Stop it. I want us to talk. We can even pray about it but don't complain to me. But we need to listen. We need to pray. Jumping ahead in Philippians chapter four, and we'll get, that, get to that in a few weeks, but in Philippians chapter four, five through seven, it says, let your gentleness, oh, I love, I hear, I hear the pages. That's beautiful. That's awesome. It says, let your gentleness be evident to all, in verse five, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He says, look, by prayer and petition, in every situation, 
with thanksgiving. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. He says, present your request to God. If you feel something, if something is bothering you, if something's not sitting right, oh, God, I pray for these kids to learn to play better basketball. Please, I pray for them. Pray about it. Don't complain. Don't grumble. Don't argue. Pray. And your heart will be guarded. Your mind will be guarded in that way. But if you grumble or complain, you're giving Satan free reign to invade your heart and your mind. Free reign. So we listen, we pray, and we hold firmly to the word of life. We hold firmly to the word of life. Who is the word of life? Jesus. We hold firmly to him. We say, well, how do I, how do I talk then about things that I feel? Are you saying that's not okay? Is venting not okay? Look, we have things on our heart. We have things that we feel we need to talk about them. But before you talk to somebody about them, I would encourage you to go back to the last one about praying. Yes, you need to talk about what you feel. But you also need to consider in doing so, what are your intentions? What are your intentions when you're talking to somebody? Are your intentions to pull them onto your side about what you feel and what you think? Or are your intentions to help get your heart settled in understanding what you feel and what you think about what was said or done? And if something was done wrong or bad, then to talk it through, maybe get you equipped or prepared to be able to have a conversation with the one who wronged you in some way so that you can talk it out and that you can be unified or one in Christ. Are you seeking out the right way of getting something resolved in your heart or are you not? You know, we feel what we feel, but who we talk it through with is about understanding and not about retaliation toward what you disagree with. As grumbling Christians, we will never, ever be able to bring about the true change that this world needs. It, it won't happen. And if you feel like there's change that needs to happen in this church, it will never come about by grumbling or complaining. That's not how it gets changed. All you're doing is you're fueling the fire of division. As grumbling Christians, we need to keep ourselves from blame and impurity before God. So our question at the beginning of the lesson was, is grumbling ever justifiable? Is grumbling ever justifiable? The answer to that question is no, it's not. So the next time you, you feel this burn to complain about something, small or large, stop yourself. Don't do it. Don't give in to it. Say, no, I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to argue. 
Pull in a trusted advisor, a friend, somebody that you can talk to and even pray with about it. But don't complain. And I'm not just talking about church stuff or political stuff. I'm talking about in everything. Oh, oh my gosh, how do I do that? But think about it. He says all things. Do not complain. So don't be the grumbling Christian. Listen, pray, and hold firmly to Jesus. And by not being a grumbling Christian, we will be a light to one another and a light to this world. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we're grateful for you. Father, this is a hard teaching. This is tough because it is our nature to grumble. It is in our nature to complain. It is in our nature to argue, to debate about everything. But that's not who your son was. Father, we have read how your son was humble and humbled himself in obedience to death, even death on a cross. That he humbled himself in a way, God, that said, I, I, don't, I am God in the flesh, but I don't need to charge after equality with God. Your son was such a great example. Help us to be like him. Help us to imitate his humility and his faith and his love. God, in the world that we live in, which is a very strange and crazy and warped and depraved world, God, help us to be the lights in this world that we need to be. And Father, we pray for the world. We pray for our government. We pray for our leaders. We pray for all people everywhere, God, that you will help us to love them and see them for who they are and for where they are. And God, help us to be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. Help us to not be grumbling Christians. In Jesus' name, amen.